This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, good afternoon, Winnipeg in Canada, and uh, good evening from Doha, Qatar. Haas here with you in another on-the-road edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily from the 2022 World Cup. I hope you all had a great weekend. We certainly did here, and we have an absolutely packed show. As disappointing as the final result for Canada here at the World Cup was yesterday, we did get to see Alfonso Davies made history. And I imagine all you Jet fans are in a little bit better of a mood after a perfect weekend with four points on the road in the division, including a wild overtime win in Dallas on Friday night that has given us lots to talk about. Uh, Welcome to the program. Great to have you with us. Shout out to everyone watching live on YouTube. Thanks so much for being with us. Hit that thumbs up. And if you haven't already subscribed to the channel, make sure you get on that as well. Um, we're going to be talking lots of Jets today for obvious reasons. I'm looking forward to chopping it up with Remus and getting his thoughts on both wins over the course of the uh, uh, last 48 hours, uh, 72 hours, I guess. Um, and we'll also welcome in Dave Poulin. And um, Dave, I'm sure... We'll have uh, a perspective on what happened on Friday night against the Dallas Stars. And when I say what happened on Friday night, you know what I'm talking about. The maybe as controversial a tying goal I can remember in recent NHL history with Connor Hellebuck down and out without a mask and the play being allowed to continue. And after a challenge going to the NHL war room in Toronto, the goal being allowed to stand. Um for anyone that was on Twitter at that moment, I know it was six in the morning or whatever in Qatar. I was nuclear at the moment, as I'm sure many of you were. Um, so we'll get to that with uh, with Remo, uh, as well as Dave Poulin. Jeff Hamilton's coming up on the program. And uh, I'm going to talk to John Horn as well. I mean, I know the real international focus has been on Canada here in Qatar at the World Cup. But Canada just won the Davis Cup in tennis for the first time ever. So John Horn's going to join us in the second hour of the program. We'll talk a little bit about how our Canadian men did it and the significance of that for Canadian tennis. Uh, But really, World Cup, Winnipeg Jets, and a huge re-signing by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is where we're going to start off on today's program before Pooley joins us. And we got to give a big thanks and shout out to all the great sponsors that make this show happen, including... Cool Bet Canada, who, of course, is uh, the reason why I am here in Qatar. Princess Auto, not Autocorp. Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, Vita Health Fresh Market, Royal Sports, F Apparel, not Autocorp. Of course, uh, Culligan Water, Canadian Club Whiskey, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, and the Nick and Nikki DQ Group. Uh, shout out to Nick. I just sent him a picture. I was at a, a mall down the street from where we're staying today and. uh all the finest international cuisine was there, uh, including a DQ, which uh, fired him a picture over over there. But uh, welcome to the program. Great to have you with us. It is just past 10 p.m. here in Qatar, and uh, we're just underway with Portugal and Uruguay up in the final matchup of the day. But let's get Remus in here and get this thing going on. Remo, what is up? How are you? How was your weekend? What's up? Weekend was good, Huss. It was a great sports day yesterday with Canada, NFL all day, and then the Jets. And what a weekend of Jets games. Uh, two wins. Uh, Josh Morrissey with the other OT winner on Friday. 
and yesterday the big beatdown against the Blackhawks. Yeah, man. Um, listen, I, I, there's so much for us to get to right away. And uh, as I said, it's great to have everybody here um, as we uh, listen, a lot of excitement about the Jets. And we're going to spend plenty of time talking about the uh, talking about the, the, the Winnipeg Jets. Pooley's coming up and as well as Jeff Hamilton. Um, but I, I got to say, Remo, just to quickly start off, let's get to, to Canada and the, and the soccer from here for a couple minutes before Dave Poulin joins us uh, right away. This was a... Um, uh, being there yesterday, folks, it was an absolute thrill. I'm sure many of you saw my uh, Instagram story and some of the tweets that we put out. Um, had a great, great day. Canada made history. We finally scored a goal at the World Cup. And the way that it started off yesterday was truly something uh, something <laughs> that I will never forget. Um, you know, we had the the thrill of the goal right off the top of the match. And for 25 or 30 minutes, we were, um, well, we, we were right there. I mean, we were, uh, we had some belief that it was happening and then it wasn't. Um, I'll say this though, um, this performance by the team, uh, they set it off to a great start. We got absolutely worked in the midfield yesterday by a, an elite squad and especially a world-class elite midfield. That really was the difference in the game. But for Canada as a very young soccer nation to come out to represent the way they did, the fans did as well. My God, it was incredible being a part of that yesterday. Uh, I really do think that, um, you know, it's the start of something um, that we will, uh, that we'll always, we'll always forget. And there's we'll always remember and there's still more work to be done and still another opportunity uh, to get going. Um, I will say this. Uh, the Croatians were salty, very salty, even after the game. I mean, there was not most of the environments that I'd been around, the Belgium game as well, as well as around other games that didn't involve Canada. We were really, really well received. Uh, it certainly was not the case um, yesterday after the Croatian game. Uh, a couple people went up and, you know, they were, you know, chatting or chatting. They were, you know, trash talking about Herdman. And I'm not sure the way that was portrayed in the Croatian media. I can't imagine that was very, uh, was very a big positive, <laughs> um, you know, with the way that I don't think there was much perspective on what it was and really what he said, how he said it. Uh, but I don't think it helped Canada on the pitch. And it certainly didn't help the atmosphere around the World Cup for Canadians that were there. Um, that being said, there's one more game. Canada will not be moving on. I don't think many people realistically thought that that was possible, but for an event like this, for a run that Canada has been on, no one expected us to be there at the beginning. Um, it really was the, uh, uh, it, it was the, the way that I think some people were afraid that it would end. Um, but man, for that first 25, 30 minutes of the game yesterday, there was an incredible amount of belief that, um, that we were here and something special that was possible. But um, Remo, as I said, it started well, but it did not end well for uh, for the Canadians on the pitch yesterday. Yeah. Here, before we begin, just um, switch your, choose a different camera there and we can get, we can get this going. But um, yeah, I mean, I got so excited, Hus, when it was, when they scored, like, what was it, two minutes in almost? Um, it was, I mean, pretty cool. Alfonso Davies scoring in the World Cup. Uh, first time. Canada had scored in the World Cup, and you thought, oh, man. Uh, they came in with all this confidence, and it was certainly paying off. But as the match went on, it was pretty clear who the better team was. And 
that was Croatia and you know Canada they're they're going to be there what in like uh hopefully in another 4 years and you get another crack at it but uh, I agree as yes, they were not happy with these comments by uh John Herdman the F Croatia and you heard all the players after saying uh it was us uh who F'd them blah 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 so uh Croatia has they were they were not happy about those uh the F Croatia comments no, we had a dude come up to us afterwards and he was like in the full Croatia kit. He was thinking he was wearing like a water polo helmet or something like that. It was kind of getting in our face. We're like, come on, dude, just take a chill pill. Congratulations, you won. Move on. And uh, and that's what Canada will do. But um, anyways, it was an amazing experience. I'm really looking forward to the game and what the Canadians will be able to do on Thursday when we take on Morocco the final time. And I'm sure we'll spend a little bit more time talking about it. As far as the World Cup goes, Earlier today, we saw two of the most bananas games in the entire tournament. I'm sure most of you were sleeping at the time uh, when we got it going on with Serbia and Cameroon. Cameroon goes up one nothing. Serbs come back up 3-1, and Cameroon scores two, a 3-3 draw. And then almost as nuts was the following game with, uh, with South Korea, who was down 2-0 early. They end up coming back to tie it. And the Ghana, uh, whose fan base is incredible. All the African nations are really, really cool to see the passion they have and the way that they support their teams. They ended up getting it done. So um, there's been some great action. Brazil just won one nothing against Switzerland. And right now we got 0-0 between Portugal and Uruguay. Um, but anyways, we'll spend more time on the World Cup as the week continues. And of course, we do have a game. I'm going to be away tomorrow at some games. And Thursday... Uh, at the final Canada game, uh, but we'll still have plenty here from Qatar throughout the week, and I'll also be firing up content on all of our socials, including at Cool Bet Canada. But Remo, let's get to the Jets. Uh, as I mentioned right off the top, we're going to talk to Dave Poulin about the team, where they sit in the standings, a big battle for first place tomorrow with the Avs coming to town to Canada Life Centre. But even before we talk about last night's 7-2 whooping of the Blackhawks in the Windy City, we've got to get back to what happened on Friday night against the Dallas stars. And uh, I believe in the, in the intro, we sort of touched on it. I mean, I was up in the middle of the night, kind of got into the game, realized that it was on when I woke up at somewhere around 6 AM here. And uh, I was nuclear as I'm sure many uh, Winnipeg jet fans were watching the way that game unraveled and how it got to overtime. Um, one of the most controversial goals to be allowed to stand um and exactly uh i mean basically we just sat there and i was in disbelief but we ended up or the winnipeg jets ended up being able to get through and what can we say about josh morrissey this guy uh, what is it rawiki a couple weeks ago called him josh norrissey scores the ot winner again saves the day for the winnipeg jets and they kept that momentum right through to uh till last night where they uh, took out the Dallas Star or the uh, Chicago Blackhawks seven to two. Now, first of all, it was a great game. Um, you know, we joke about uh, litmus tests and all that, and um, I mean, they played Dallas Stars extremely well, especially the bounce back from Minnesota. I mean, they talk, say, "Hey, we need to do this, we need to do that," but they came and backed it up with a real strong performance in Dallas. Now, the end, you kind of had a lot of flashbacks to Monday, where uh, the Hurricanes scored three empty netters. Uh, to tie it up even saying that sentence is uh feels weird but they scored three empty netters and uh the jets won with the morrissey winner and the morrissey did it again 
Now we now who cares about the game? We all want to talk about this tying goal. Everyone's weighed in. We didn't get to. I was very close to hopping on live uh right after. But um I mean look if Connor Hellebuck, his mask got knocked off, I don't care how it gets knocked off. Um they should blow the whistle. And the rule says immediate scoring chance. There was not an immediate scoring chance. They made three passes and what you don't think Connor Hellebuck can stop a Robertson shot unscreened from the point here. It's insane that they gave a free goal to Dallas, the tying goal, while Hellbuck's helmet was knocked off. I don't know what they thought Hellbuck was supposed to do when his helmet was uh, his helmet was knocked off. Um, was he supposed to go in there and try to make a save? I think he did the right thing. His helmet fell off. There's a potential for a puck coming near him. You don't know if it's going to get deflected or what. Uh, he covered his head with his glove and his blocker and, you know, hope for a whistle. I don't know how they didn't blow a whistle um sooner and i mean the review was for interference which was not the same rule this is a, a safety issue um insane uh insane and uh yeah you can't you don't need to back back out and back in insane that that happened so uh i think everyone jets fans see it that way the players saw it that way um josh morrissey had some comments rick bonus said chevy was looking into it i don't know um i don't know what that means that he's looking into it but um, one of the more ridiculous goals I think that we've seen in a long time. You know, and we—I know everyone has talked about the rule. Um, Connor Hellebuck spoke to it yesterday, um, and or I guess it was Saturday, um, saying that it was a good thing he didn't speak after the game, um, because he would have been too hot. Everyone was hot. I mean, as I said, it was six in the morning here, and I wasn't able to get back to sleep. I was so fired up. Um, as many people was, you know, got a chance to listen to IC and KNR afterwards, and um, just basically started the day because uh, that was that was an incredibly dangerous play. I mean, what the hell was were we supposed to do for a league that demands players go directly back to the bench after losing a helmet? Um, and you know, when a player is down or injured, when his team, you know, team has the has the puck, will blow the whistle. In this case. And listen, I think that the spirit of the rule was was essentially o- overlooked. I mean, that was not, and I can't believe some of the people, and again, whatever, obviously I'm coming with a Winnipeg bias on this, but okay, so the play is going to be allowed to continue. So what's Hellebuck supposed to do? Jump up and get back in the net, putting himself in serious harm and danger? Uh, ridiculous. I'm sure that this is going to be uh, talked about at the general manager's meetings. Uh, and that's something that Rick Bonus said. He goes, what can I do? Go forward. Um, Chevy can sort of handle this along with the powers that be in the National Hockey League. Uh, but I don't think that four seconds and a couple passes is in the spirit of an immediate scoring chance. That wasn't the case at all. Um, so we'll talk more about this and we'll hear a little bit more about this a little later on um, when we get into it with uh, Jeff Hamilton, of course, Dave Poulin, and we do have some clips going forward. Uh, but the great thing about it was the Winnipeg Jets got it done again. And man, I know there was a lot of you know eyes that have been raised by Adam Lowry's presence uh, to start overtime. A big part of it is the faceoff circle. And the one thing, and you know, maybe we'll talk about this with Jeff, uh, Rick Bonus mentioned it in his post-game address to the team. Uh, was the shout out to the centerman for being better in the faceoff circle because one of the one of the most concerning issues of that game on Friday night was just how the Jets were absolutely dominated in the faceoff circle. I can't remember 
numbers as ugly as that in the dot, maybe ever. I believe, and this is just off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure Dallas won 45 draws to the Jets 20. Adam Lowry was the Jets' best faceoff man at 42%, and everyone else was in around 20 or worse. So uh, that was certainly a a big part of the game um, and the reason why Dallas had the opportunities to get back in. And I think you'd probably go back if you do the, uh, do the, do the breakdown, probably a big reason, um, you know, with the Carolina game, I mean, they just didn't have the puck, but bringing it back to overtime, um, you know, Adam Lowry, the winning the faceoff draw, he's the best faceoff guy on the team gives you a better chance to have the puck. Now they didn't have the puck at the beginning of it, but the way that Adam Lowry was able to box out Miro Heiskanen, allow Blake Wheeler to get control of the puck, and then the heads-up play of Josh Morrissey identifying the space, turning the Jets on, getting the puck. And the one thing that Dallas didn't have anything, Remo, at the end of that game was gas in the tank. I think Heiskanen and Robertson were out on the ice for the better part of the last, what, 44 minutes of the game. And... um. Anyways, Morrissey does it again. He is having the season of his career so far and is a massive reason why the Jets sit where they do right now in the NHL standings. We're going to talk about it coming up with Dave Poulin. We do have some clips we'll get to a little later on when Jeff Hamilton joins us. Um, do you want to give a big thanks, though, to our friends at Consolidated Supply, folks? I'm going to be back next week, and when we're back, there's the 12 Days of Christmas. We will be having the 12 Days of Marbles. A Marble series on the program, always popular, but even better because Consolidated Supply has given us a pair of Winnipeg Blue Bombers season tickets for 2023 with the newly signed Willie Jefferson. Great news on the weekend that Willie J is back, and uh, you'll have the opportunity to win those by participating in our marble races daily on the program. Consolidated Supply, of course, your first choice for golf cars, irrigation, small engine parts, hot tubs, outdoor kitchens, and more. Pop down and see them. They are open to the public at 1395 Niaqua Road East. And you find out more on their newly relaunched website at cte.ca. And hey, speaking of Josh Morrissey, we are so pumped to be teaming up with Wallace and Wallace and Josh Morrissey for our new Winnipeg Sports Talk Unsung Hero program. Folks, if you've missed it before, we've been talking about it for the last week, and we appreciate all the submissions, but we certainly have room for more. Uh, just in the next week or so, or maybe when I get back, we'll announce our first unsung hero. Uh, we're looking for people that are making a difference in the community, whether it is we're doing charity work selflessly, quietly, whether it is putting in those extra hours at the community center, making sure that you know, minor sports go on. Maybe it's the person that just helps the seniors on your uh, on your street. There's so many people doing great things in the community. We want to highlight them. Every month, we'll pick one of the winners randomly. They'll win an autographed Josh Morrissey jersey. And Wallace and Wallace is going to donate $500 in the name of our Winnipeg Sports Talk listener who nominated that person as well. It's going to be matched by Josh and Margot Morrissey, $1,000 to the Dream Factory, of course, which Josh is a spokesperson for in the Dream Factory, doing so much great work in the community for kids in need. So thanks so much. You can check out more on our links page. Hit their links. And if you would like to make a donation to the Dream Factory as part of this, we'd certainly love for you to do that as well. And hey, there's still a couple days left, folks, of 
Men's Health Month. Um, and hey, we should always be thinking about our health, but um, you know, November is Men's Health Month. Choosing the right natural health products are key. And our friends at Vita Health carry everything you need to help relieve prostate issues, reduce stress, and support mental focus from Canadian brands like Prairie Naturals, who donate a portion of sales to the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Vita Health has great prices on natural or organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. Pop down and see them at one of seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and of course online at their fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. Family owned since 1936, Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. All right, I think we've gotten a lot of the uh, tech issues straightened out here as we do the show from halfway across the world. Right now, what a pleasure it is to welcome back our guy, Dave Poulin, to the program. Pooley, greetings from Qatar. How are you? I've never talked to anyone in Qatar before. Really fired up about this. This is great. You look this tremendous. Is, this is on the uh, on the bucket list for me and obviously on the, uh, the bucket list for you. Yeah, who would have thunk it? Uh, hey, just before we get to the hockey, have you been paying attention to the World Cup? Have you been... Uh, Taking in uh, the excitement, obviously the disappointment, also the history made by our Canadian team here in the Middle East. I certainly have, and and I have been a fan for a long time. Uh, I was in Toronto in the summer of '82, and when the entire little Italy in Toronto turned upside down with Paolo Rossi and that whole scene, and then got reengaged again when I was at Notre Dame. We, our soccer coach, played for Scotland in the World Cup. He was a goaltender, and his name was Bobby Clark. And he played a bunch of caps for, for Scotland, but played in a World Cup. And so I figured, what better guy to learn from about positioning and support and all those things? I didn't know a lot about it, so I spent a few days in the summer mirroring him. And Notre Dame has a really good soccer programs. So the women have won a bunch of national championships, and they also, some of their girls have played for Canada uh, for the Olympic team. And Melissa Tancredi would be a name that, you know, played for Canada in, in the women's side on the World Cup. And so I'm a fan. And I also lived in France for a portion of 2006 when France and, and Italy went at it again. And that was Zidane and the Dana and the headbutt. And so once you start watching it, you get so wrapped up in it. And I'll tell you what, yesterday we were watching, we had the big screen all fired up. And, and the first two minutes, and when that goal went in, I mean, the celebration around Canada, I, I'm sure you could hear it without your headphones on from Qatar because it was that large. And there wasn't anyone that I knew that wasn't watching that game yesterday. So it'll be interesting to see when the numbers come in. So absolutely, I'm a fan. I'm watching. Um, disappointment, but also an understanding of, of how good the world is. Well, I, I'll say, uh, I mean, being in that stadium for both of the games, but for that goal, I mean, we had barely that down to finish singing oh canada which is another incredible especially really special moment i think for every canadian that was there um for it to happen the way that it did and then canada sort of hold their own for the better part of 25 30 minutes um gave us a lot of hope uh we did get a bit of dose of reality by the croatians who really sort yeah. of took over towards the end hey, of that first good. half well they're they are i mean hey, they, they were the runner-up in 2018 oh, yeah. i mean i know that um, you know, I think maybe it is the naivety of, um, you know, newer fans that are following this, of which I am one. I mean, listen, I was locked in, as you know, listeners and viewers know, every game throughout the the qualifying stage saying, hey, we got a chance, start paying attention. 
And then the way we did it, winning CONCACAF, <laughs> uh, I think maybe it exaggerated some of our expectations for the club. But from your perspective, Dave, I mean, you've been involved in management and building clubs. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, we maybe got a little ahead of ourselves, but for good reason, because we're a little ahead of schedule to getting to this point. But when you think about Alfonso Davies and a stack in the midfield, uh, Stacchio and Tejon Buchanan, who is amazing. I mean, there really is a bright future. And um, this is just the start for the Canadian program and really looking forward to seeing what we've got coming up on Thursday in the final match here, which I will be attending um, in Qatar when we take on Morocco. That being said, Dave, we've got to get to some hockey talk here because uh, a, a great weekend for the Winnipeg Jets, two wins, but uh, everyone is still talking about Friday night in Dallas. And yeah. I have to start off with you. How did you see that play? Connor Hellebuck getting steamrolled by Jamie Benn, Josh Morrissey being involved in sort of a hit. I thought that he was taking a line anyways through Hellebuck. Our goaltender, Vesna Trophy winner, down on the ice without a helmet. The rule says if there's an immediate scoring opportunity, it wouldn't happen. I still, I'm not even sure if that's a great idea considering how dangerous it can be. But it was four seconds. It was two passes. It goes in. I was absolutely gobsmacked. That goal was allowed to stand. How did you see it? And uh, what should maybe people that are still angry about it maybe know now that there's been a little bit of time to back up thank god the team won or people would have been even more they might have gone down to toronto and started picketing on the weekend well i think first off common sense has to prevail goaltenders without a mask there's an immediate whistle um ben takes that route and that route is through halibut it just is yes and it, it you know it flat out is and we've seen that called goalie interference on the route going through and well it didn't he didn't mean to bump them we get all that but the route is chosen and it's the player's responsibility to choose his route now you could say was there contact on the way in when he goes down when that mask comes off that's an immediate whistle for me and if i'm a coach on either side let me take it back if i'm a ref on either either one of the refs i immediately go to both coaches and say if it's your guy i'm blowing the whistle if it's your guy, I'm blowing the whistle. Like, that to me is just protecting a player. When you lose a helmet, they've extended a little bit, but essentially you can do the continuing play, but you've got to head off the ice. A goalie without a mask? I mean, that to me has to be, and, I, and I'm sure it will be now that it's something like that has happened. Um, it's a whistle, flat out. And I think, you know, everybody's fortunate that he wasn't hurt. Forget that the Jets won the game. Your first concern is for your for your Vesna goalie that he wasn't hurt on the play. And so that's that's sort of the good thing. And then, you know, over the course of the weekend to the bounce back that that was that game, but the bounce back from the Minnesota loss is not insignificant. Um, you know, you surrounded it with some good wins. Obviously, Carolina is a good win. Dallas is a great win because of the circumstances. And then just a dominating win in Chicago. I was in Chicago on Friday with Montreal, and they played them hard. And Winnipeg just went in and stomped on them. And in that game, you've got your bigs, you've got your balance, um, you've got your D, you know, your big D scoring. So all the way around, a really solid effort. That's the kind of game that gives a team even that much more confidence with everything that's going on. 
Dave, you know, that tying goal notwithstanding, I don't think there's many people watching this show from Winnipeg that thought it should have counted. Uh, the Jets did give up three goals with the opposition goalie pulled on Monday yeah. and two on Friday night, if you include that one. Um, is that just sort of an aberration or is there a reason to be concerned? Um, I mean, what makes you, I mean, if you're a head coach and that happens, I mean, how do you, uh, if you're going back through it, is there something the Jets need to do differently or uh, or is there something you need to focus on in those odd man situations holding on to a lead to uh, maybe prevent going to overtime the way they did, although winning both times thanks to 44? Yeah, I think you look at them. You know, Carolina was kind of strange, like a couple long shots and, you know, just seeing eye shots, if you will. But I think the team, the immediate team, the team, the way it's constructed right now has to learn to win games like that. Like, what is the exact personnel going out? What's your role? What's your function? You know, within that, what are you doing on the ice with your group? And and that's got to be sorted out a little bit better. It just flat out does. And there has to be, you have to play those. And, you know, that's what I did um, when I played. Like, that was my pride was, was that time. Hey, I wasn't on the ice in the last minute. We were trying to get a goal but I was sure on the ice in the last minute when we were defending. And I, I think up ice pressure is one thing that you have to keep focusing on because the other team's not expecting up ice pressure. And I remember a funny sequence when I first got traded to Boston. Um, I didn't play with Cam Neely very much at all, but they put us together at the end of games. And he was so physical and so dominating and such an intimidating force. And so they put us out there together. And I remember we went through a couple of games where we didn't let the team outside the other blue line. He kind of laughed after that. And he said, he called, he called me the governor and he said, Hey, Gov, we got to, uh, we're we going to let them like get out a little bit so we can get that goalie pulled. Don't we? <laughs> I laughed and I said, no, we don't Cam. I don't care about the empty net goal. <laughs> he was like, Oh, we can't be that good. We, we penned them in so much. We didn't, they didn't even get a chance to pull their goalie. So we didn't even get a shot at that goal, but we just laughed about it, but that's how dominating we were. And I think that's being aggressive at that stage and up ice and continuing to do what you've done. You're up three, nothing in that game for a reason, but your human tendency is to sit back and the better the team gets, the less that tendency is in play. Um, Dave, notwithstanding what happened uh, with the goalie pulled and the fact that the Jets had to work a little extra, Josh Morrissey continues to have an absolutely monster season. And uh, one of our pals, Brandon Wiki, dropped the nickname Josh Norrissey on the show a couple weeks Yikes. ago. And uh, it's Yikes. picking up a little steam right now. I mean, what are you seeing from Josh's game? Um, the importance that he is to what the Winnipeg Jets are doing in, in every aspect of the, of the game, but the success he's having, the points he's putting up, and the huge, huge goals that he's scoring at three-on-three three to get incredibly valuable points in the standings to put the Jets where they are, battling for first place when they get back home tomorrow night. Well, let's start with the last one with the, with the OT goals. The unorthodox of a, of a D stretching for a breakaway. And think of the confusion on the other side and who's covering whom with, with the centerman below the goal line throwing the stretch pass to the D. Um, I love it. I mean, it's very Eric Carlson-ish, if you will. Um, you know, and, and to even throw that name in the same sentence is pretty flattering. But if you think about Josh Morrissey coming into the league, he comes in and he's a first-round pick and, and not a huge offensive guy. Like, you weren't thinking you had the offensive guy. But think of who was in front of him at that time with Buff, 
with Truba, with Myers, with Sherratt. I mean, he, you know, he's in the third pairing. And, and then all of a sudden, in one fell swoop, he's not in the third pairing. All four of those guys are gone at once. Mm-hmm. And now he's thrust up. And I think that a, a young player says, now what do they expect from me? Now, you know, now I have to totally change everything I do. Instead of just evolving at a normal pace and getting better and, and doing what he does. So I think there's some unique circumstances involved in his progression, but now he looks like a confident, dominant defenseman. And then bring in a coach who insists that their defense as a group, I think he wanted to go from, I don't know, from 30 goals to mid-40s or whatever the percentage was on goals. Rick Bonus made no bones about it. No bones about it. There you go. That he wanted more offense from his defense. Well, how do you think the defense lights up when he says that? And they just smile at each other in the locker room and say, I mean, we have a license to go. But what that does puts a lot of pressure on the forwards to know that they're responsible for covering up. And I think that's something that Rick Bonus's system has injected is the responsibility on both sides. Yeah, okay, we can ask our D to go, but by the way, somebody better be there to cover up for them. And right now you're getting that. You know, it's, it was a fascinating conversation that uh, Rick talked about uh, in the offseason with Josh saying that, you know, every time we, at that point, the Dallas Stars played the Winnipeg Jets, we watched video, we talked about you as such an important player. And, um, you know, I, when when this season gets to the end and they're talking about the top 10 defensemen in the league and talking about the Norris Trophy and votes, I want you to be in that. And, Love it. Uh, I mean, that sort of confidence before you even set foot in a, uh, you know, in a training camp practice, I think is is part of the brilliance of what Rick has done. I mean, he's connected with these players personally, outside of the rink, um, both as men and as players. And um, it really does seem like it's bringing out the best in, in many of the Winnipeg Jets and the team so far. But I'm not sure there's a better example of that than Josh Morrissey right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you have the uniqueness of a coach coming from within the division, within the division, not only within the conference, but within the division. So he's had eyes on him. He's had the game plan and he's had to, to plan to play against him. And who better to tell you how good you are than someone who's tried to figure out how good you are from the other side. So that injection of confidence, but the communication part you're talking about I think can be a lost art, not only in sport, but in today's world of management. And, you know, so often it's a quick email or a text or, you know, you lose the voice and, or don't have face-to-face conversations. And, and even in the way we all did business through the pandemic, you know, everything became Zoom and, and you lost that face-to-face. And I think Rick Bonus's strength is sitting down with someone and telling them face-to-face, Here's the experience I have. By the way, here are the D I've coached. And, and he's coached some D in his day. And, you know, and, and here's where you can be. You know, I go back to I had Rick his first year as a head coach in the NHL. And he was coaching a guy named Ray Bork. Well, there's some pretty good reference points as a coach that you can say to Josh Morrissey, here's where I think I see you fitting in. And I think Rick's done a, a very strong job of that. Dave Poulin uh, with us. Of course, you can see him regularly on the TSN Hockey panel and the TSN Hockey programming. Joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. The, uh, 
The other thing that really stands out to me about Rick, and, and part of it, and I have to give credit to maybe a new philosophy around the Winnipeg Jets, instead of shutting out everybody and shutting out the fans, they're bringing us in now to the locker room. We heard the great post-game speech from Bones after the game yesterday about coming back, day off today, and battle for leaping first place tomorrow. I mean, you know, you sort of feel a part of it, but I think you're also getting, um, or we're at least getting a great feel that we haven't had before about you know, the messaging that he has to his players. And part of it is, you know, what he's saying in the media. And I take this back to last week when the Jets got manhandled by the Minnesota Wild. It was an ugly game. And, you know, there's a lot of people in the chat here. Some people didn't even want to listen to the show the next day because I think they knew that the conversations about what they just saw was not going to be very fun and wanted to move on to the weekend. Um, But, man, he was very clear about what, was not good enough, um, said it publicly, said it to them. And it seems like when the Jets have had a real off night, um, it hasn't festered. It hasn't grown into an extended losing streak. And I know no better example of that with the way that they were able to play, you know, despite going to overtime against, you know, the Dallas Stars, the first place team on the road, and then following it up with the game that they should have won and they did in convincing fashion. Um you know, now that we've had, you know, about a quarter of the season and we're past American Thanksgiving and the Jets are comfortably in a playoff spot now battling for, you know, an area code or a, to- a, a, a spot in the division that many people didn't think was possible at the beginning of the year. Um, what have you noticed about the way Rick Bonus is handling his team with what he's saying and doing it to whoever is listening including those players and the effect that that's having now on the Winnipeg Jets to be able to get over and get back to where they need to be after an ugly night like we saw in Minnesota last week. I believe that's inclusion. And he's including his players in his conversation. Uh, Everyone is on the same page because everyone has the same goal. There aren't distinctly different goals. And, you know, even the focus that could have drawn to a Kyle Connor who started with, you know, how long do they have two goals for? And, you know, and no Nikolai Ehlers. You know, you, you're without one scoring, without one playing. And yet he was inclusive in the fact that everyone had to pick it up. Everyone had to be responsible for being a part of this. And I, and I think that's what Rick does so well um, in the success he's had for as long as he's had in the NHL is because you feel as a player – you're playing with him, not for him. And, and there's a difference. And, and I think he's made it clear to the players that, that they're all playing together. And then you see some results and it's like, oh, well, okay, you know, this, this actually does work. And there's a belief that comes with results. And that's the beauty of having a good start and, and being off, you know, up near the top of the, of the division early on to get that confidence. And believe me, the other teams know it coming in. They see it and they feel it. And, you know, I, I've always, over the last couple of years, been waiting for it to happen and it hasn't happened. And, you know, I, I've thought that that the parts were better than what the sum was giving, you know, the city of Winnipeg. And it should have been better. And I think that's showing up right now. One of the other things that had been, um, you know, a real issue for the Winnipeg Jets in the last couple of years, and I mean, you know, some will say it's because they didn't have the opportunity, but getting that sort of 
production and contributions from the bottom six. Adam Lowry is always a big part, but I mean, last year he played for about two thirds of the season with Christian Veselina and it just did not work. Uh, but this year we're seeing Axel Johnson, Fialbi, Sam Gagne, who wasn't in the lineup yesterday, but had played all the way up. Mikey Acemont, who's been phenomenal since coming in and making something happen this year. Um, and Jansen Harkins, who was sent down to the Manitoba Moose, cleared waivers, has come back and has looked like a new player. Um, just thoughts on the depth of the Jets that maybe people didn't realize was there and how Rick Bonus is, you know, handling his team that, you know, they're getting these sort of results and major contributions from Frankly, an area you have to get right now when you've got a player like Nikolai Ehlers out and the injuries that they've had, um, you know, that have allowed opportunities for some of these guys to play in a bigger role. Yeah, Manalainen has been an interesting one in that fit because I think, you know, most people didn't know a lot about him and he played in the world championships and they were thinking, you know, is he a fourth line player? Well, he's sort of imposed himself higher up in the lineup. I mean, that's what he's done. And that's the perfect world is when they impose. I mean, I think in Adam Lowry, you do have one of the top third-line centers in the NHL. He brings every component. He plays defense. He wins face-offs. He kills penalties. He's a big, strong guy. I think there's still an offensive upside there. Um, you know, Mason Appleton bringing him back and then losing him. But, but Harkins, you know, nothing is being given to anyone. And because you were there, you, you don't just get to be there. And Mikey Asimont's probably a great example. Um, show me that you deserve to be here. Show me the consistency. And and you will play, and that's what it is. But having the luxury to have a Sam Gagne, even you know, with the experience he has, being able to move up and down the line, these are the components and the pieces that good teams have. You know, you think of, and I'll take it back a couple of cups. So you think of Tampa Bay, and in the big games, you think of the contributions that a Sorelli had, or you know, guys off that third line, um, Gord when he was there, or Blake Coleman, or that entire contingency, you need those guys. You expect that your top guys like Shifley, like Pierre-Luc Dubois, like Kyle Connor, are going to do it. You need your third and fourth line to contribute offensively if you're going to be one of the top teams in the league. Hey, Dave, before we go, I, I want to ask you about, um, not necessarily about Paul Maurice in particular, but in the Florida Panthers. Um, they had so much. We're going to see them, and it'll be Maurice's return. That'll be a big topic next uh, week on the program, I'm sure. Uh, but you know, we're now getting to December. We're past American Thanksgiving. The Panthers are out of a playoff spot right now. What's going on in Florida, and how concerned should uh, people around South Florida be? Any thoughts on that team? Well, I have thoughts on the teams that won the summer, and none of them are doing very well in the fall. You know, Calgary being that mix, Ottawa being that mix. The teams that seemingly made change and made it, you know, and, and it looked significant. And for, for two of those teams, Florida and Calgary, early it did look significant. But maybe that's just time. You know, they were without Ekblad for a while, but I think their goaltending thing has got to get sorted out. You know, is it Spencer Knight? Is it, is it Bobrovsky? Bobrovsky, you get into huge contract discussions there. Matthew Kachuk has been everything you could possibly be for them. And yet the rest of it hasn't happened around him. And, uh, and it's hard to figure out, you know, Andrew Burnett last year takes over that team under extreme circumstances and thrives. And then they decide not to bring him back to bring Paul Maurice in, you know, a pedigreed coach who'd, who'd been around a long time and had a lot of success, but it hasn't worked to the degree they, they need it to work. Um, 
I don't think it's one thing. I think it's as much the change in the adjustments. And sometimes when you make these changes, you know, I do a lot of Ottawa as well. And you, you expect that it's just going to happen because you made the changes and everybody tells you those are all great changes. Calgary similar, right? We're a better team than we were. Um, when the puck drops, you have to play. And one thing that Winnipeg has avoided, avoided that those teams have been involved in is lengthy streaks. And I did a column on the weekend on streaks. And so this was as of last Thursday. It may have changed. But 11 teams had losing streaks of five or more games. 11 teams. And only 20 games into the season. And there were eights and nines. And now Philly's got a 10 going without a win. Oh. And, you know, it's, it's remarkable you have to be able to stem the flow of those streaks. And we can go right back to Winnipeg. And they were in a little category I had about taking care of business and avoiding the streaks. Toronto was in there. Um, they were in there. Colorado was in that category. That you know, Things were going nice and smooth because they'd avoided those lengthy losing streaks. And you know, on the winning side, you've had Jersey with 13. You had Vegas with nine. You had Boston with a pair of sevens. I mean, those are huge streaks at any point. But that'd be happening. 20 games in, and I don't know why, I, I tried to address why the streaks were happening, whether it was related to the pandemic and coming off it, or, you know, or teams relied too much on too few with the way the cap is, is constructed, that, that they're prone to streaks if a couple of guys, you know, go down through either injury or, or slump. So, um, but Winnipeg has avoided that nicely, Andrew. And, and the other teams that we're talking about haven't avoided the lengthy losing streaks. I mean, I, I mean, we've been talking about St. Louis. I mean, they came in here 3-0 and uh, at the beginning of the season. They Well, uh, I called them the Jekyll Jets. and Hyde, Andrew. I <laughs> called Chief Jekyll and Hyde because he went three wins, eight losses, and seven wins. So he, he could actually write both sides of my column. <laughs> He's oh. a good friend. So, you know, I said, you got to help me out here. Uh, it was uh, well. It's been a wild season so far, but I can tell you, everyone in Winnipeg pretty excited about what this team has done so far. Now back at home for four in a row, and what a great test tomorrow against the Colorado Avalanche. Pooley, as always, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, keep an eye on the Jets. We'll look forward to catching up with you in a week or two and uh, getting your latest thoughts on what's happening here in Winnipeg and around the National Hockey League. And safe travels, Andrew. Enjoy everything over there. And I do have Winnipeg, I believe maybe four or five times in December. So I've got a lot of the Jets coming up. You'll see me a lot. Oh, cannot wait to uh, see you on the tube and, of course, talk with you here on the program. Thanks so much, Dave. Take care. Great stuff. There's our good friend Dave Poulin with a great segment on uh, his thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets so far. Uh, And, of course, big homestand coming up, and uh, Reem will be uh, getting you ready for it tomorrow with a big show setting up the uh, matchup against the Colorado Avalanche. Jeff Hamilton coming up right away. Have to get to our why not question of the day. And uh, why not question of the day today? We have to go back to Friday. And uh, just, you know, in the chat and listen, if you're looking at this program after we've gone live, hit us up in the comments. Uh, But I would love to know where your mental state Friday when the Dallas Stars tying goal was allowed and uh, Connor Hellup was on the ice and uh, no mask. This was a huge topic around the National Hockey League for the weekend, but uh, uh, it sent a lot of Winnipeg Jet supporters off, including myself. Would love to know. Maybe some of you think that it was an overreaction. Um, I kind of doubt it. Hit us up in the comments of the why not question of the day. And hey, 
our friends at Knot are ready for uh, the holiday season and the long winter ahead. And hey, listen, if you're thinking about a new vehicle or upgrading your current one, no other place to start off than Waverly and McGilvery and Knot Auto Car. Check out all the great vehicles on the lot right now. And if there's a particular make and model that you have been thinking of, they'll help you source it find it and get you into it at the best possible price. And if you do want to sell your car, they've got a very successful consignment program that takes all the hassle and worry out of your hands. And you'll just sit back waiting for a nice check from not auto corp. And by the way, if you haven't got your winter tires yet, what the heck are you waiting for winter tire specials right now at the service department at not auto corp and the MPI payment plan. Why not get safe winter tires now and pay later at Not Auto Corp, Waverly and McGilvery, and of course, online at not.ca. Uh, oh, hey, I know there's probably new favorite players emerging for Jet fans each and every day. And if you're thinking about a new jersey or new Jets gear, pop on down to Royal Sports, the massive selection of Winnipeg Jets gear, Winnipeg Blue Bomber gear, and of course, tons of great Canada soccer gear like my lid right here that uh, we've worn it a couple games so far. It's all there for you with Christmas right around the corner. Get ahead of it. Don't wait. Pop on down to Royal Sports. Everything you could possibly want for the sports fan or player in the uh, is there for you. And, of course, coming off their great Black Friday sale, there's still tons of great savings right now at Royal Sports, whether it's in the hockey department, merchandise, shoes, and more. The King Skate, Snow, and Surfside, it is all there at the greatest sports store maybe in the country, Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And make sure as we get into December to follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Uh, for instance, their massive Yeti, uh, section is uh, packed up and uh, make great gifts as well. Big thanks to Royal Sports. And hey, uh, one of the other things that we've talked about, we will do another suit show when I get back from Qatar, is our the gang over at F Apparel. Um, there's a lot of planning right now into next year for weddings. Fellas, if you are in a wedding party, talk to Andrew and his staff there about a great special right now where if you guys can get measured up and Booked in by the end of November, you'll get a free shirt for everyone in the wedding party, as well as a 10% discount. But this is also a great time to be thinking about improving the wardrobe for 2023. And dare I say, an F Apparel gift card would be an incredible gift for the holidays, considering all the incredible products you can get there. Not just custom suits beginning at $400, uh, but golf pants, slacks, shirts, accessories, and more. They have it all to make you the best-dressed man in Winnipeg. Pop down and see him, F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown, and online at F, that's E-P-H-Apparel.com. Gift cards available now for Christmas just around the corner. All right, let's continue talking a little Jets, and, of course, a huge re-signing with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with our guy Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, Hammer, what's up, buddy? Great to talk to you again. How are you? Yeah, great to talk to you as well. I think the last time we chatted, I was in a vehicle, my first ever car cast with you on the way home from Regina. I can, from a, a wild Grey Cup week, I can tell you right now, after a week of recovery, I feel good. I feel ready um, and uh, feel most importantly normal. So all is well over on this end. Looking forward to talking sports with you. You know, it's funny. Uh, I'm already thinking about the return home from uh, from Qatar here. <laughs> 
speaking of feeling normal i don't know when it's i'm barely now a week later getting on to qatar time i don't know what it's going to be like when i get back after another marathon flight halfway around the world uh, well, but I'll tell you well what, just to be clear though are you going to be flying first class pods like we saw you heading out i don't think so way? i don't okay, think so that's, it was that's a game changer if it well isn't. put it this way i'm trying to negotiate and i don't know what it, that has ruined travel for the rest of my life to be honest in there like, man it almost would have been better it almost been would have been better that it never happened and i wouldn't have known what i was missing um I'd rather but walk yes, the stretch ways... on the way there and driven uh, and flowing <laughs> economy on the way back. But that, that's what it's, that's what it's like. I hate to, you know, it's, it's incredible that we're even having this conversation, but those things are a, an extension of the trip. They are, I do not feel sorry for that travel, but I do understand the, uh, the, the hour change and, and trying to get your body back at it. I'll say this between the, uh, between the incredible luxury of the opportunity for that flight over and some of the things that I've seen and, you know, the hospitality suite that we've been hooked up with for these tick for these games. Uh, it's, it's a great impetus to figure out a way to get really freaking rich because uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, I have pretty simple needs. So, you know, me back at home, I mean, uh, the routine chill as long as I've yeah, absolutely motivated to make things happen in life. So there you go, folks dream big and, We'll see what happens. Anyways, let's get to it. We'll talk jet. We'll talk jets at first, and uh, you know, a little bit of bombers at the at the end, uh, because I always like to start on the positive. And uh, man, what a run for this team! As ugly as that game was in Minnesota, Jeff, um, you know, an incredible bounce back by the team in Dallas. One of the more controversial games you'll see, and you know, despite what has been thrown at them late in games, which you don't like to see, letting those leads evaporate. Josh Morrissey twice last week with OT winners. And uh, we're now talking about a team battling the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow in the mix for first place in a very good central division and, you know, continue to stack up the points now heading into December comfortably in a playoff spot right now. It really has been a great, great run. And, you know, I know there was a lot of people, a lot of doom and gloom after that game in the twin cities, because we'd seen it before and what had happened in previous seasons if there's one thing that I think this weekend has shown, many of the characters are the same, but this is a different Winnipeg Jets team right now and can't give enough credit to Rick Bonus, the new atmosphere around the club, and the bottom line is these guys are getting it done. And, uh, man, it's going to be good tomorrow night, but uh, it's certainly a lot of fun for Jet fans to fire up the standings and look at where their team's sitting right now. Hey, Hassel, let's you in on a little secret. No matter what the Jets' record will be, if they have a game like they had against against Minnesota, there's going to be unhappy fans. So that's, I mean, that that's just the reality of the situation. I think, but I also think, I mean, the narrative is has changed within the locker room too. I mean, you look at the early on success that this team had, and it was being, you know, criticized by people like myself and others, and and more importantly, people within the room by Rick Bonus, by the players, saying that yeah, we were squeezing out wins. You know, we were we were relying too heavily on Connor Hellebuck in some nights. Other nights, it just was the effort just didn't match the other teams, even though the result was was two points. And now you're seeing games, your improved structure. You're seeing you know the the growing pains are still going to exist. They're going to probably exist for a good chunk of the season, but they're smaller, they're less costly. And you're seeing a more consistent effort in the Jets. And, you, yeah, you look at some of the ways some of these games have ended, um, whether it was the three goals with the empty net or the, the, the pair against Dallas. 
but you're you know they're pulling out victories and and it's not just the two points it's not just the structure the, the way you win those games is you have to have some some level of mental toughness that this team just didn't display for years if they would have gone through similar situations in the past it would have been panicked after the first goal and certainly you know you're probably not seeing you know, all that much success in the overtime period, whereas the Jets, they might be slipping, but there's still that resolve. There's, you know, you hear the players saying it, you hear the, the coaches talking about it. There's no panic. There's no panic in the game. There's no panic that, you know, this is all of a sudden out of out of their hands and they find a way to win. So certainly when you look at what they've been able to achieve over the last month and certainly over the last few weeks here, there's a team that's making a charge and they're making a charge at pivotal times in the season where games are getting tougher competition's getting tougher and the Jets are following that arc as well. They're getting better with each game too. You know, um, it's amazing considering the slow start that Kyle Connor had, and as Dave Poulin mentioned, basically without Nikolai Ehlers for the entire season, minus the first couple games that the Jets are doing what they're doing right now. But um, every night it seems to be different players stepping up. I mean, Saku Menelainen sniping a couple last night and I can't, say enough about Jansen Harkins um you know he took a, a a pretty bitter pill earlier this season wasn't on the opening roster cleared waivers was sent down to the Manitoba Moose and all he did was go and play some incredible hockey regain a scoring touch that really didn't happen very much at the uh, NHL level then here he was again last night scoring a big goal early on um I don't think there's a better sign for a team overall when you have different players stepping up night after night, having an impact, being able to say that they've contributed. And I think that's all leading to the great atmosphere and feeling around this team right now as they continue to put up wins. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I don't even know where to start with all that. There's so many different spots. I mean, you look at a guy like, as you mentioned, Jansen Harkins, that, you know, I think it was a tough pill to swallow, as you alluded to, going down to the moose. It always is for a player who's, who's locked in as much time as he had and felt like he was an everyday player already, uh, that can go one of two ways. That can go really bad for you, and you kind of get lost in the mix. And as new guys come in, guys like, you know, Mikey Esimont, who have come up and, and done great things, you know, for, you know, and have, been in, have looked exactly like he looked in training camp, but just against better competition, and that, but that same confidence and comfort level. Um, you, I do think, you know, you, I do think there was an appetite to come back. For Jansen Harkins, I, not, not suggesting that he wouldn't have been working his can off to come back, you know, to play at the NHL label level to earn an NHL paycheck. But I think there's that added, you know, wanting to get back when the culture is as good as it is right now, when when everyone does feel a part of it. It's one thing to it's one thing to create a culture where everybody truly feels a part of it, um, which is certainly a positive. You know, everyone from what it doesn't matter what, what it looks like on the stat sheet. If you're helping out in the, the film sessions, if you're helping out in the meeting rooms, if you're helping out in all these different capacities, that's the kind of culture you want to breed. But when you actually have everybody contributing on the game sheet to games, seemingly, you know, game in and game out, that's a whole, that's a whole other power when it comes to feeling part of it. And that's what the Jets currently have right now. That's what they're getting from, you know, really from all areas of the of, of the lineup, from, you know, all four forward lines to all three p- defensive pairings to clearly, you know, Connor Hallebuck and Nett and David Riddick when he comes in as a backup. And that's, I think that's what, 
we all thought was maybe going to take a little bit to figure out with this team, with new systems, with new attitudes, with new leadership. And it's just, it looks more like a, almost as if a, you know, boulder was lifted off this team's shoulders and they're finally able to breathe. And, to, you know, and one last kind of comment to what you mentioned is you're right. There were, ga- there, there were weeks or games, stretches of games over, over previous seasons where, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois and, was going with Kyle Connor on a line. And then it was Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler chipping in for a stretch. And it, it was really never all coming together. Um, you know, the way, the way it has right now, you're seeing guys like Pierre-Luc Dubois score. Kyle Connor's finally found his edge. Mark Shifley had his team leading the 11th goal last game. You have guys that are, you know, contributing all at the same time. And you're also getting contributions. Like you mentioned from Josh Morrissey, you have a, a more active defense. And therefore, as Dave Poulin mentioned earlier, a more responsible group of forwards when it comes to filling in those roles, when the defense do come out. And then you have Connor Hellebuck and net who's winning you games. So when you, when you add all those things up, it really is no surprise this team is having the success they're having and why you, why you have to feel good about the future here is as even they go through injuries and other obstacles, every team goes through. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you can't not continue to talk about Josh Morrissey in the season. He's having the impact he's having both defensively, but also offensively. I mean, leading the team in scoring for the majority of the season so far, being the overtime hero twice. And, and those two overtime winners that Josh had last week on Monday against Carolina and Dallas, to me, those weren't just game-winning goals in OT. I mean, we may look back at those two goals and winning those games the way the team did to avoid absolute disaster, which, I mean, you know, could have gone... Listen, I think this team's pretty mentally strong, and I think Rick Bonus leading the way is not going to allow them to, you know, get into, you know, a real funk. They're focused on, you know, the, the task at hand. But, I mean, hard to over overplay how important those two goals had been from Josh Morrissey. And, um, you know, it's good that he's getting rewarded and making big plays like that because he really has been everything the Jets could have imagined and more. And I think that's helping out the rest of the defense, which certainly with Dylan DeMello, who's come back and looked really good since returning from injury, um, you know, much to the chagrin of Vili Hanel and probably some people that would like him to be playing. I mean, they've got a group of six right now that are, seemingly flourishing together game after game. And that's a big part of where they sit in the standings. Yeah, of course. I mean, and, and there are getting contributions from other players outside the six. It just doesn't happen to necessarily be Billy Hainala, or at least as much as people would expect or, or want from him. You know, it's interesting with him and I, I don't know if you want, if you wanted to go into the big, you know, free Billy situation. I think a lot of people know where I stand. As far as wanting to see more from him, I think a lot of people want to see more for him, more opportunity for him. But I also fall on that side of the fence that goes, well, is there really somebody at this point in time to replace and just to get him going or to get him, you know, more opportunity? And I think that's a bit of a tougher, you know, a tougher question to answer. But uh, I think you can't you can't really be upset with this group. You looked at you looked at the moves that need to be made over the offseason with all the veteran blue liners that they have if they were going to create room for players like Billy Hainel, for players like Dylan Sandberg to you know, and to have kind of the Logan Stanleys and those groups fight for that sixth spot or you know fifth and sixth spot. Um, whereas when you look at the veteran group they have, they kept everybody, and it was just you know people are wondering why they why they why they've done that or why they why they would why they wouldn't create more opportunity. And you look at a guy like Rick bonus and what he's come in and done with the veteran group. I think it's easier for him to get quicker results with the systems that he wants to install. Um, when you have more experience there. So I think it's no secret. That's why, you know, why the jets 
kept them now and it, and it's paid off. Um, it's just that, you know, maybe the detriment to some of the younger guys and, and, and lesser opportunity, but you already start hearing through the grapevine of, you know, once guys get hit on the blue line, teams get hit on the blue line, the Winnipeg Jets are brought up as the, as the number one team to, to call and, and, and make trades with. I don't know where the Jets fall in that category. I think with what they're dealing with, they are getting healthier. You know, we're seeing guys like Morgan Barron come back, of course. And, you know, I think, you know, other, obviously other guys eventually, but, um, you know, it will be an interesting situation, but I don't think you can make any arguments with with taking anyone out in the lineup at this point, you know, forward or D. No, I mean, hey, listen, they're winning games. And and listen, I get it. I mean, I, I'm a fan of Billy. I think he's got a bright future. I think he's going to be an NHL regular at some point. It might not be this year. It might not be in the next few months. But, you know, the minute he's no longer waivers exempt, um, he's in the National Hockey League, and that's going to be. But, I mean, the Jets have... The Jets have a luxury right now. Um, they've got six guys that are getting the job done right now. They've got the opportunity for a... They've got the opportunity to play them and to have Billy get big-time minutes in the American Hockey League and continue to be hungry. And listen, not everything is just given. If In the American Hockey League, you're going to put players, you're going to continue to roll them out um, because you need to and you're trying to develop them. That's not the way it works in the National Hockey League. And it's a results-based business. And Rick Bonus right now is getting the results from his defense core and from his team. And unfortunately, in the situation that Hanel is in right now, that probably means some more time with the Manitoba Moose. But I will tell you this. This is not going to do anything to hinder his growth or development when it comes to being ready, when he gets that opportunity to play regularly. And whether it's this year due to a trade or due to injury or whether it's next season, it's certainly, I think, Jeff, in the best interest of the National Hockey League uh, or of the Winnipeg Jets to go about the way they've done as much as, you know, in the short term, it might be frustrating for a young player. But again, this would be a very different conversation if the guys weren't getting it done and the team wasn't winning hockey games. But um, the goal is to make the playoffs. The goal is to contend right now. And it's pretty hard to say that the guys right now that are in the lineup aren't doing that job. Yeah. Well, I think you, I think that, you know, right there, what you just said is, is all you really need to make an argument for who's in the lineup is that if they keep getting the job done, how can you say what they're doing is wrong? I mean, you're going to have people, you're going to have fans, you're going to have media, you're going to have, you know, critics of the team wanting different things at different points, but it's a results-based business. And as much as, you know, I, and I think we've talked about this over and over again when, when it comes to Billy Hainel is that when he made the team out of his first training camp, you know, it just, it just seemed like it was going to be easier. The future was now for him and, and you come to realize that it was more circumstance than anything and that there is a, a bit of a road to to getting full-time work and when he, and when Billy Hanley gets full-time work it's going to stay you know full-time work and I think that's the point of this the fear obviously or the concern for for fans is is that that is that opportunity to come in Winnipeg or, or somewhere else and as the years go by and as the frustration kind of spills over um, you know I, I think there is reason to be a little bit, I'll be a little bit concerned over his future. But at this point in time, I think you have to be appreciating what the Jets are doing. You have to be appreciating how locked in they are to their systems and and the success that's come with it. And you know, I'm not really in the not really in the position to question many roster decisions at this point. Uh, Hammer, let's uh, talk about quick. I do want to get to the Bombers, but um, uh, big four game homestand, and uh, 
Hey, team's probably feeling pretty good. They had the day off today, and uh, man, right back at it tomorrow against uh, one of the te- one of the teams in the National Hockey League that truly is the great measuring sticks right now. The guys that come in with the ring on their finger from winning the whole damn thing last year in Colorado. Yeah, big test. I think every you know it's it's those are always going to be viewed as the litmus tests or the or the big measuring stick games or whatever. But I look at a game like Chicago. Last, you know, yesterday, I, I look at a game like that at the end of a three-game road trip against, you know, in in a built in not, you know, in a way building against a team that you should be beating and you beat by the margin of score people probably expect you to beat. I mean, that's I think these are all going to be tests, and so certainly, obviously, the talent and and the uh, de- degree of difficulty, if you will, is going to be is going to be, um, you know more difficult with uh with with the Colorado Avalanche and the Chicago Blackhawks but the expectation is the same to play within the system to play within you know the way that Rick Bonus wants this team to play and to compete and to compete against and we've seen this I mean Colorado has been beatable this year they've 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 figured it out uh, as those teams usually do I mean they did have the shortest offseason and the longest hangover than anybody else did over the over the summer so there is reason to understand maybe a slow start from them but um, certainly if the Winnipeg Jets want to be considered, you know, one of those teams up in the, you know, up in the, and where they are currently in the central division, uh, they're going to have to beat teams like the Colorado Avalanche. So, uh, I think their attitude and, pro- and certainly is, is bring it on here. Yeah. And, and you look at this upcoming homestand, um, you know, a, a game tomorrow that, you know, as we mentioned, huge opportunity to continue, you know, getting huge points in the division. Um, they've been very good at home. Then you got two games that, you know, frankly, very similar to the game last night against teams way down in the standings that you really, you know, need to have against Columbus and the Ducks. And then, to be honest, the game that I've been looking forward to the most throughout the entire season, it was number one when we were splitting up the tickets, wanted to be there for that. The Florida Panthers coming in and uh, sort of amazingly, I can't imagine. We talked about this with Pooley for a minute. I didn't get too much into the pressure on Paul Maurice going into take over a team that was so dominant last year, sort of as the guy that was expected to take this team over the top. They're out of the playoffs right now, Jeff. And as much as it'll be a special time for Maurice to come back, and I know a lot of people, big fans of his for, you know, just the way he handled himself here in Winnipeg. Um, they're in a bit of a, they're in a bit of a situation right now with uh, expectations, things not clicking right now. And um well, the Winnipeg Jets have an opportunity on this homestand to continue to put themselves in an even better spot as we get past American Thanksgiving well into December and the holiday season with the Jets knocking on the door, not just for a playoff spot, but pushing for first place in the Central Division, which will be pretty much on the line along with Dallas in, uh, in these games and starting tomorrow with Colorado. Yeah, absolutely. Like this is, I know tomorrow doesn't classify as December, but. Um... This is going to be a very interesting month uh, ahead for the Winnipeg Jets, and they got to they have, you know, their schedule is interesting. They have some spread out games at home, but then they have some some very interesting uh, road road trips. They got three road trips, essentially four road trips, but they're the first three are are back to backs, just back to back games. You know, St. Louis, Chicago, that's going to be an important one. Um, then Vancouver, Seattle, another important stretch. Boston, Boston, Washington, less important as far as as uh you know the 
the divisions go, but obviously is just as important with points. But um, so it will be an interesting stretch here for Winnipeg through December and, uh, you know, see where they can end up and hang into the new year. I do find Florida to be pretty interesting. I mean, I think there's pressure in every position, head coaching position, whether you, whether you inherit the president's trophies winners or you take over the worst place team, there's always going to be pressure. I always thought it was, fascinating uh you know paul maurice's ability to 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 transition from quitting an organization to taking over you know the nhl's best regular season team um clearly there will be pressure on on paul to figure that out turn that ship around but there's something about uh about contracts in this league that uh, are are have some added security and he's he's in year one of three-year contract deal that pays him you know, just south of $12 million. So I think he's in an okay situation. Um, but certainly Florida, the expectations need to be higher. I, I, I don't really see a lot of issues with that team. Um, you know, I don't watch the Panthers a ton, but, you know, they're, I think they're a team that can figure it out here. I think with their identity changing, shifting over with key players, obviously out the door and key players in – um, you know, there's going to be some of those growing pains and changes to, to, uh, you know, the locker room and whatnot and what, what the, what the results could be of that. So maybe that's part of it, but, uh, certainly moving back to the jets, there's some, there's some not so great teams up, up, upcoming, upcoming here and, and games where the jets will be favored and should be favored. Um, and if you can build up a good lead and play some great hockey into Christmas, uh, you know, we all meant, we all mentioned the certain times of the season, including uh, this most recent one, American Thanksgiving, where the Jets, you know, near at the top of the central, if they can continue this run through December, uh, it makes their lives down the final stretch much easier and, you know, more focused on, on playoff hockey and less about being desperate uh, and playing too many emotional games. Because if you ask any of the good teams, whether the Colorado Avalanches or any teams that have gone deep into the playoffs, they'll tell you, um, you know, a big luxury of being a solid team um, is not having to feel that stress of playoff hockey, you know, in March, uh, you know, or April and, you know, play consistent, good hockey, but play so, you know, to, to build on your, the confidence you've been building all season, not trying to gain some before the, the games really matter. <laughs> you know, you just mentioned those back-to-backs in, uh, in December and I'm looking on the app and the, uh, the scores and I'm like, man, they're Bruins December 23rd and the Caps December 24th. There's a Christmas Eve game against Washington. Yeah, you got to flip, flip to a Winnipeg or Canada and, schedule. And, yeah. and then I realized the fact that this is all Qatar time in these 3 a.m. <laughs> games because of where we are. Um, well, listen, tomorrow we'll have much more on uh, the big matchup against the Colorado Avalanche and, of course, continued Jets talk throughout the week and going forward here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. But can't not talk about the extension of Willie Jefferson. Of course, last week when we spoke, it was still, you know, the shock and, you know, the aftermath of losing in the Grey Cup. But um, right back to work for Kyle Walters, Patty Newfeld signed, Willie Jefferson signed. Give us a little bit of an update on what's happening in the front office of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as uh, they are fully into off-season mode, trying to keep the core of this group together to come back and uh, maybe have a big unfinished business season next year. Yeah, no surprise here. It's kind of a similar situation to the previous years, even after the the big uh, Grey Cup victories. Um, there's a bit of a rush, and, and it's really any team, as soon as they're eliminated, get to business, um, uh, you know, signing free agents. Because when you look at the salary cap, a lot of teams haven't spent to the salary cap at this point, and any money that gets spent um, prior to, you know, the calendar flipping over to 2023 counts against the 2022 salary cap so 
whether it's bonuses, whether whatever it is, however they structure the deals, if you can get that money spent before the new year, it doesn't take into your 2023 cap. So, you know, no surprise on the on on the players that that have come back. I think when you went around the locker cleanout day, if you could have told me the three guys that were if they didn't if they didn't already have deals signed were very very close was Willie Jefferson, Patrick Newfeld, and Jamarcus Hardrick. Um, I, I feel the same story for guys like Stanley Bryant. Um, really, everybody. I, I I don't even want to fuel speculation by suggesting a name or two. You know, might might chase money or something like that. But you know, I think they're you know the guys that gave the answers like they had already signed a deal have come have already come forward and their deals have been announced and there should be a few more for sure and several more I'd argue by the New Year's. But I think a big one that every every fan is looking for right now is for head coach Mike O'Shea to sign on the dotted line. So I was when, just about when, to when say, that, what, about happens, what about Osh? What about Osh? Look, I, you know, I wrote the other day uh, after his media availability, you know, the opportunity to, you know, pour cold water over, over any kind of hot speculation that he wouldn't be back. You know, he opted to take a pass. You know, it, I think if you're a fan, it can be a little frustrating to maybe hear his answers. Someone who, you know, only wants to see Mike O'Shea back patrolling the sidelines for three plus more years and see where you can continue to take this team. Um, when you get answers like, you know, I haven't even thought about that or it's not something, you know, really no clarity on the situation. And when he's, you know, Mike says things like I haven't even started that process and yet, you know, like even talking about it, even thinking about it, the, the, as frustrating as that can be, I just, it's, I believe it. Like, I really do believe he hasn't even thought about his new deal. So once he's finished these player exit interviews, which are clearly over at this point, I imagine, you know, he'll get a chance to sit down. I imagine those, those meetings will start with his family, uh, his wife, uh, and, and talking about the future and what, you know, what, what they envision for the future and, and whatnot. There's going to be certainly conversations over money and how much, uh, you know how much of an increase Michael Shea can get under the you know the, the the football operations cap, and then there's always the idea of responsibility. I think when when Mike was saying some things, you know, in in his coach's press conference when people were asking him about his status, I think what the most interesting part of that was he was saying it's not what you've done, you know, that should dictate your your next your next contract. It's how you envision your role within those years, and so there's been lots of talk and speculation about. You know, Mike wanting some more added responsibility, whether that's a you know a general manager role or assistant general manager, or whatever, some kind of executive, you know, promotion, which would obviously come with added money as well. Uh, how does that work out? How does that fit in? But I will say this: I'm absolutely, I'd be absolutely floored, shocked, in awe, all those adjectives you can bring up if Mike O'Shea is not the head coach, plus whatever role that might come with it in the future. Um, whether that deal's done in the next couple of days, weeks, before you'd assume it's before the new year, but I definitely see it coming nonetheless. Hammer, great stuff as always. Thanks for doing this. Enjoy what should be a great hockey game tomorrow, Canada Life Center with the Jets and the Colorado Avalanche. And I'll look forward to talking to you next Monday. We'll see how delirious I am from the trip back from Qatar. But in the meantime, uh, we'll be watching this Jets team in the middle of the night here and uh, looking forward to talking about it here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on, and uh, yeah, keep having a good time out there, man. I think we're all living vicariously through your your social media posts and all that, so thanks for that, and shout out to the uh, the viewers. You obviously make the show. Right on, buddy. There's Jeff uh, Hamilton, at Jeff K. Hamilton on Twitter. Make sure to check out all of his work at 
the Winnipeg Free Press, winnipegfreepress.com, and in the broadsheet when uh, you get the uh, the hard copy of the newspaper as well. All right, we've got a big Canadian sports story to come up, and actually it's not about the soccer team here in Qatar. Uh, but just before we do that, of course, we hit on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with Jeff Hamilton, and when we're talking bombers here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, we do it for our friends at Princess Auto. Already counted down the days to get back at the stadium next year and the Princess Auto tailgate party. Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and, of course, of us here at Winnipeg Sports Talk, allowing us to do this every day for sports fans in Winnipeg. Princess Auto has two local locations. A great time to start looking ahead because they to the holidays because, of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list is at Princess Auto. And, of course, you can also shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Our friends at Culligan Water have been the go-to people for water products and services in Winnipeg as a family-owned company for over 60 five years and they really do have everything you and your family or your business needs water softeners filters bottled water coolers whole home systems and drinking water systems not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions whatever your water needs talk to the folks at culligan they're at 1200 sergeant avenue you can give them a call at 204-694-5180 or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. And folks, with the December upon us a little later on this week in the holidays here, uh, you're going to maybe be doing a little bit of entertaining or maybe a little gift giving and uh, nothing better for both of those checks on your to-do list than uh, the great taste of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian club. Of course, CC, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It'll be a little bit before we can get back and enjoy CC or the... CC and ginger ale in cans at IG Field. However, you can grab Canadian Club and ginger ale at your local beer store in six packs. And of course, everything that the entire family of Canadian Club products awaits you at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Pop in and get stocked up in time for the holidays. And hey, uh, got some great feedback on the atmosphere at Boston Pizzas for the big Canada soccer game so far. We will not be moving on to the elimination round in the round of 16. However, there still is one more chance to put the red on and cheer on our fellas, maybe to their first ever World Cup win, although it's going to be tough against the Moroccans. Now, that game is at 9 a.m. on Thursday, December 1st, and BP Keniston, BP St. Baton, BP Pemina will be serving the delicious new BP brunch, brunch menu for Canada's morning games. Make the most of it, folks. This only happens every four years, and we haven't been in it since 1986. So get the gang together at Boston Pizza. You'll have your chance to win Team Canada jerseys and more at every BP location. Bring the crew and cheer Team Canada at the World Cup at Boston Pizza, and make sure to check out some of the great new features on the Boston Pizza feature menu while you're there. And, of course, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. Well, internationally, the big story was Canada at the World Cup, but uh, Canada is now Davis Cup champions for the first time and had to bring in John Horn to talk about the big win for our Canadian men yesterday. John, thanks so much for doing this. What's going on? How are you? Not much, just in the car, just doing uh, pickup duty and uh, probably not having as much fun as you are right now. 
Yeah, it uh, honestly, this has been the experience of a lifetime. Um, you know, a lot of culture shock, learning a lot of things, meeting people from around the world, and um, yeah. being there to watch the first goal. We'll see whether we can get the first result for Canada uh, on Thursday. Um, but I think maybe with some of the hype and excitement about this World Cup in Canada being there for the first time in 1986, I think this Davis Cup really snuck up on a lot of people, John. We've talked tennis with you over the last number of years on our old spot in here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, Canada, Davis Cup champions. I mean, put this into perspective, what a huge, significant moment this is for Canadian tennis and Canadian sport. Yeah, and you know what's funny is I thought actually it was going to ride into the soccer match yesterday because Canada wins the Davis Cup and literally five minutes later, Canada scores their first goal yesterday. So I thought it was going to be a combo of success for the Canadian teams, but unfortunately it didn't happen in the soccer. They played well and it was good to see them get that first goal. But um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, it's, it's actually very cool that this took place. I mean, it kind of bookended the season quite nicely. They win the ATP Cup to start the year in Australia as a team. Uh, the Canadian team did with Shapovalov, Felix Ojeda-Aliassime, um, and other guys on that team. Vasily Pospisil wasn't there. Steven Diaz was. Uh, and then they they uh, finish off the year winning the Davis Cup. And, uh, I mean, well, what a better way to end the season for men's tennis. I mean, it's been really a good year for men's tennis, especially for Felix Auger-Aliassime. I think it's kind of fitting that he won the clinching match. It was sort of the right way for the whole season to end for the Canadian team. Uh, just the, the success that he had this year, won his first title, won four titles in all, um, 60 match wins, uh, played some phenomenal tennis this year. Won the Labor Cup with the uh, with the world team as well. So I think it was kind of ironic that, uh, you know, he finished off the last match and it was him who got the winning points. Um, you know, he, he played a great Davis Cup. He was 7-0 and at Davis Cup uh, this year, 5-0 and in singles. Uh, won a couple doubles matches too. And, you know, really it just sort of was the perfect way to wrap up the season for Canadian tennis and for him. So uh, a great moment, 109 years. The history of the Davis Cup has been uh, going and, Canada wins it for the first time, uh, you know, and I, the other thing, I think it's, it's sort of a, a nice way to sort of culminate what uh, tennis Canada has really put together or helped put together over the years. You know, they, they've, they've played a big part in a lot of players um, success in tennis, just by helping fund them for training facilities. Um, you know, some of the players didn't have the money, so they set up court time for them, paid some travel expenses, uh, some of the players who've even paid Tennis Canada back, Emilis Raonic uh, and Bianca Andreescu, have actually given money back to Tennis Canada as a thank you for, hey, you helped me get to where where I got to, and uh, thanks very much. So uh, there's a lot of people behind the scenes, a lot of people on uh, work for Tennis Canada over the years, a lot of players uh, who went through the the doldrums of men's tennis, where the Canada wasn't the powerhouse that it is now. You think of. You know, Peter Polanski, who is part of part of that winning team yesterday as a coach, uh, coaches Dennis Shapovalov now. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of Frederick Fontaine. You, you think of uh, Frank Dancevic, who's the coach, um, you know, was never a, a, a tremendously highly ranked uh, singles player, but now gets uh, gets the title as, as the coach of the team. And uh, he went through the doldrums of Tennis Canada, you know, over the years, Canadian team not being that good. Um, and I think of Vasily Pospisil, who's really delivered so many times on the Davis Cup stage, uh, whether it be in qual qualifying matches or ties that have been in small parts of the world where Canada wasn't that great, but he was always there. Um, and finally, he gets to hoist the trophy, um, you know, basically helping the program for 10 years. So 
I mean, really, it was just a, it was a great moment and uh, kind of the Super Bowl of tennis, if you take away the, the Grand Slams uh, for a lot of the players, uh, where they, you know, you saw the real emotion and the raw emotion from Felix, especially, uh, you know, tears of joy for winning this title. Um, they won the Junior um, Davis Cup title in 2015, and now they cap it off by winning the big one six years, seven years later. Uh, John, if you can, uh, because as I said, I think this really did catch a lot of people by surprise. Um, you know, part of it is the you know how the it's broadcast, where it was. But take mm-hmm. us through the Davis Cup final, if you can. The matches, who won, and um, you know what the big moments for Canada was. Uh, you know, on the road to uh, the historic victory. Yeah, well, it's actually quite unique. Uh, the Davis Cup has sort of done a little bit of a revamp over the last few years. Uh, you may remember if uh, anybody's followed Davis Cup in the past. Usually the two teams that compete in the Davis Cup final, uh, one of those teams is usually playing on home soil. So if it was in this case, um, you know, Canada, Canada, um, you know, whether whatever teams um, were in the final. But in this case, um, Canada, it could have been a home home final in Canada. Um, but because they've changed the format and they've decided to have it at one venue, um, it's been in Spain. It'll be in Spain next year as well. Uh, Spain in the past, they've decided to have all the teams come to one venue and play the final matches at this one venue. So it takes away a little bit of the raw, raw. Like I think it would have been great if Canada did have the home court advantage. And let's say they were playing at, you know, some arena, whether it's in Edmonton, Winnipeg, Toronto, Montreal, somewhere where, you know, 15,000 fans would have been there or 10,000 fans would have been there cheering Canada on. It would have been raucous and uh, a really solid environment. And then, that said, there were a lot of Canadians who made the trip to Spain to cheer on uh, the team. And you saw them probably in the crowd during the match, if you're watching. And um, so, you know, that's, that's the unique part about Davis cup now is that it's not, you know, home, home and away. Now it's now at one venue. So that's, I, I don't like it as much, but that's kind of the evolving way that uh, the Davis cup is trying to work with the tours to make it more uh, accessible, uh, accessible for the players to get to. Uh, it's it's a long season, as we know, and a lot of the players, you know, it's tough to play Davis Cup after finishing a grueling 10-month season. So, um, But how it works essentially in this case is that Canada actually got into the finals um, but through a wild card. They actually weren't even supposed to get into the final. Uh, they tried to get through the qualifying portion, which would have got them in the finals in March. Um, but uh, Denis Shapoval, Felix Ogier-Aliassime, uh, they didn't play. And they lost four matches to, to none to the Netherlands. So uh, they were actually out of the finals. But because of the fact that Russia um, got bounced out of the event because of what happened uh, with Ukraine, uh, Canada was the highest ranked team that lost in the qualifying. So they automatically got themselves into the final based on that. So a very unique situation. And I think a lot of people um, you know, have overlooked that a little bit, uh, just assuming Canada with the powerhouse players like Dennis and Felix, um, they would automatically just be in there, but they actually got in as a wild card. So technically they got lucky that they were in there. Uh, kind of like in tennis where they have lucky losers who lose in qualifying, but still get into the main draw because somebody pulls out at the last minute. That's kind of what happened to Canada here. And uh, they got lucky and they, they rolled with it and uh, got through a bunch of matches uh, in qualifying. They beat uh, Korea, they beat Spain, um, Dennis Shapovalov and uh, Felix Ogier seem w- winning matches uh, for Canada uh, in the finals. And uh, then they didn't even need the final doubles match because uh, they won both the singles matches yesterday. So uh, to beat uh, some good teams, to beat Korea, to beat Spain, 
Um, you know, they beat Germany in the quarterfinals. Uh, they, they played, you know, they played some decent teams, Italy in the semis. Um, you know, I, I think it was overall to and to beat Australia too, who's done well uh, in Davis cup over the years too. So to, to, to get the, to get the title, to win it, to finish the year, um, you know, I think it's the best, the best thing for men's tennis. And again, it's just been a solid year all around for so many different players. And it's just a good bookend to the whole season. You know, uh, John Horn with us uh, breaking down Canada's historic win at the Davis Cup, uh, champions of uh, the world of tennis, led by Denis Shapovalov and uh, Canadian star Felix Auger-Aliassime. You mentioned Tennis Canada uh, and what they've done to help you know work with these these players and promote them mm-hmm. and give them the opportunities to succeed. And I realize it's very difficult to compare in an individual sport like tennis to a team sport like soccer. But I, I had I just couldn't help but think as you were mentioning about everything that Tennis Canada has done right some of the controversy and the things that have been happening behind the scenes with the Canadian soccer association and, Mm -hmm. you know, all the, the the business that was happening off the pitch as Canada got ready to return to the world cup for the first time since 1986. And, you know, it is a really great example that um, there is a real importance in these governing bodies. And especially when you are uh, a country that is looking to ascend to a whole nother level um, that, you know, there's a lot of people that have their hands in it and can't say enough about just the trajectory of Canadian tennis over the last 10 years. But I'm sure the work actually dates predates that, John. And uh, now, of course, we're bearing the fruits. And one can only hope that in four or eight years, we're talking about that continued ascendancy of the soccer program, uh, albeit yeah. maybe with um, new leadership and a new um, operation of uh, of the the soccer as it pertains to uh, but i mean tennis they've they've hit it, they've hit it out of the park at every end yeah i mean i think uh, you're exactly right i mean i think the biggest difference with tennis though at least is an advantage is that they work as an individual player uh they have their own teams and they have their own coaches physios yeah. that sort of thing but they're their own entities they're their own their own business so to speak whereas in soccer they have to work as a team and the team goes as you know one player doesn't go along it's the team that goes along it's together. a tough comparison i agree it, it 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 is and but you know the advantage for tennis players is that they can sort of create their own path whereas in soccer you kind of have to you create your own path to some degree but ultimately the end game say in this case the canadian world cup team um or if you're you know you're going to play in europe or whatever you kind of have to find your own direction some ways, but then you're kind of limited as what you, what you can do based on it's a team sport. So the advantage, the advantage for tennis at least is that the players can set their own schedule, set how they want to go about going to tournaments, where they're going to train, where they're going to live, how much they're going to travel. Are they going to have a full-time coach, part-time coach, physios, food, hotels, all that kind of stuff. They kind of operate on their own. Whereas I guess in soccer, you know, you have a, and in this case, the uh, Canadian Soccer Federation, you know, they handle all the hotels for the players. They handle all the transportation. They handle everything. Whereas a lot of, you know, in tennis, I guess golf is kind of the same way too, where, you know, the player handles their own stuff. You know, tournaments handle some things, but a lot of the times the players, they have to control their own their own uh, schedule. So, I mean, that that's helpful in that case. I think, you know, where Tennis Canada has been really good is just providing the facilities for these athletes for these tennis players to actually play. You know, if, you know, if, if the Canadian players, let's say Felix Ojeali Sim, who's in Montreal or Bianca Andrescu who's in Toronto, where would they be playing in the winter? There's just not, you know, there aren't, there are facilities, but they're not a lot of them. 
um, indoor facilities aren't aren't as readily available as say going to Spain and training at the Mortoglu Academy throughout the year where it's you know 100 degrees outside. So I mean that that's that's the advantage that some of the other players have is the countries that they're from. So you know Tennis Canada being able to fund some of these players and help them you know to you know, pay for their expenses to go down to Florida and to train down there uh, or, you know, uh, go where they need to go to get the proper training or uh, go to an academy or what have you, or even just to train in their own backyards, to train uh, in Montreal and to train in Toronto. I mean, they, there's still court fees involved. Um, the players still need to get physio. Uh, they still need to be eating right. So they need to, you know, give them some guidance and that sort of thing. Um, not all the players have parents who are fully engaged in in their kids' uh, well-being i mean most parents want their best for their kids but some parents are a little more hands-on than others so that's where tennis canada can sort of step in and say well we know this person who helps with nutrition we know this person who can give you court time or we know this person who's got a ball machine or anything like that so um all these little things that help out and that's why i think it's kind of cool that when when canada wins this you know davis cup title there's a lot of people not just the players who are really like emotionally you know um you know, excited about this there, you know, you saw a lot of people on the sidelines. I've spoken to a couple of people today and that they're just genuinely like just super proud that Canada was able to hoist this trophy. It sort of says that Canada, we talk about soccer and how Canada scored their world cup goal yesterday for the first time. Canada is on the world scene. Well, Canada is definitely on the world scene in tennis. We saw that with Bianca Andreescu when she won the U S open. We've seen that when Milos Raonic started winning tournaments and when G Bouchard got to the Wimbledon final, um, now we're just seeing it to another level. And you're right, in five, six, seven, eight years, maybe in two years from now, uh, we're going to start seeing more and more players popping up. And um, you might see more and more Canadian uh, tennis players taking over the sport. And uh, we've seen it with other countries, like France has got a lot of good players. So does Spain, obviously. Um, and the Russians and the Czechs, there's a lot of good players on the men's and women's sides there. Um, there's no reason to think that Canada can't do the same thing. they got a lot of good young players coming up through the ranks. Well, I, I got to tell you, I mean, uh, these conversations never get old talking about great performances on the international scale for uh, any of our Canadian athletes. Yep. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I hope you have a great December and holiday season. And uh, we'll have to get together next month because uh, we'll be into 2023. Aussie Open will get going. And uh, yeah, it's not another, long. <laughs> here's to another <laughs> great, great year for uh, for Canadian tennis. But what a way to finish it off with the Davis Cup championship. John, thanks so much for doing this. Great to have you on the program. You be well. All the best. I'm going to give you one quick little tie into soccer before I go. So 1986 was the last time Canada was in the World Cup. The coach of that coach of that team was Tony Waiters. I don't know if you remember him. Tony Waiters was also my soccer coach the year that Canada went to the World Cup in 1986. He, his son was on my team, so he coached my team and the World Cup team at the same time. Kind of funny, but a true story. <laughs> Jeez, I, uh, how how you aren't you know didn't ascend to that level? We'll never know, John. But uh, I, I yeah. nowhere close, nowhere close. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing this. No problem. Take it easy. All right, good stuff. There is a John Ahorn with us uh, talking about Canada's historic win in the Davis Cup. Uh, I was, uh, um, you know, obviously we've been talking a lot of international sport in Canada at the World Cup, but uh, man, I mean, we've had great conversation with John over the years on Felix and Chapo and. Layla and Bianca uh, really is amazing to see where Canadian tennis is right now. Uh, for those of us that are old enough to remember Canada being a complete afterthought on the world tennis scene. Um, hey, uh, you know, if you, if you followed the Instagram, I know there was many questions about whether there would be any beer in Qatar. Well, there is, there has been had a few at some of the games and a few you new know, opportunities, certainly nothing like back home. 
Uh, but I will tell you, we've missed the great taste of Little Brown Jug. But the holidays are here, and uh, we'll be back soon. I'll be looking forward to getting the 1919 in my hand and watching a Winnipeg Jets game very, very soon uh, when I'm back next week. Little Brown Jug, of course, is Winnipeg's favorite local beer and is a must to be part of any holiday gathering. If you are serving beers, why not get the best in Winnipeg's favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug? Pop by the brewery and tap room on William Avenue. You can have a few pints. You can try all the beers out. And uh, some of the great merchandise as well might make awesome Christmas gifts for the beer lover in your family, representing both our favorite and, of course, the city of Winnipeg with a great local business. Pop down and see him on William Avenue. And, of course, Little Brown Jug, the Good Times Variety Pack, 1919. All of their offerings are available at your local beer store as well. And, of course, home delivery also available online at littlebrownjug.ca. Check out all the options there and the merchandise as we get closer to the holiday season. And, uh, Listen, it's hot as hell here. Uh, I did a little walking today, went down to a mall down the street. And what did I find? Thinking about our good friends, the Nick and Nikki DQ. There you have it. The Qatar version of, well, this I don't believe is one of the Nick and Nikki DQs, but uh, man, it was good. Had to get a blizzard for the walk home today. I was thinking about Nick today. Yes, DQ worldwide. But, of course, we've got four Nick and Nicky DQs and the great support we have from them from day one on Winnipeg Sports Talk, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. And, uh, man, it was funny seeing the DQ. Ice cream cakes are there as well. Hey, holiday gatherings, parties, birthdays, you know it all, at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. Nick and Nicky will get that custom made for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And when you're popping in, those amazing new stack burgers that came out this summer uh, are great. 12 months a year, as is the great taste of the blizzard. Ice cream treats and more cakes. They've got it all. Big thanks to Nick and Nicky DQ for their support. And I knew Nick would love that picture. I sent it to him, and I think he's in the chat right now. Shout out to Nick and uh, a happy uh, soon-to-be December uh, for uh, for Nick and the crew and his great staff over at the four Nick and Nicky DQs. But I had to grab a pick of that. I knew he would like it. And uh, as I said, no matter where you are, I'd say 12 months a year, there is a need for DQs here in Qatar with how bloody hot it is. Um, all right, let's get Remus back in here. And Remo, I do want to hit the, uh, the cool bet lines before the end of the program, but we've got some pretty good audio from the Winnipeg Jets over the last couple days. Um, you know, really starting with, Friday in Dallas and there were so many other things we did touch on this with both um, with both Pooley and with Jeff um, but let's get to let's start with four um, because we'll talk about bones you know and everything that came out of the the Chicago game first but I mean this was the story of the weekend I know I was talking about it with friends nonstop here in Qatar. I can't imagine what it was like for Jet fans getting together with friends on Saturday after the game last night. Let's start off with four. This was Bones' reaction to the incredibly controversial tying goal that sent the game to overtime before Josh Morrissey was the OT hero again. His explanation was uh, our guy caused it to happen. But regardless, our, go our goalie's down on his stomach with no mask. So, I, anyways, I, listen, I'm as confused as anybody. 
seems to be some debate over, like on the rule itself, saying it has to be an immediate scoring chance. Did you view the Robertson shot? The well, they made a play. They got the control of the puck, and then they still were able to make a play, and then he still was able to shoot the puck. Like again, Chevy's on it, so uh, it's, I'm I'm as confused as anybody. Should the anyways, I gotta care for what I say. Uh, yeah, so a little bit of discretion from the coach afterwards. You could just feel the anger in his voice. And I'm sure that was shared by just about everyone that follows the Winnipeg Jets after that game. Now, Connor Hellebuck did not speak on Friday. And, uh, well, from the sounds of it, it was a good idea because he was incredibly hot. Here's what Hellebuck had to say about that incident after a little bit of time to cool down on Saturday before the Winnipeg Jets played the Blackhawks on Sat on Sunday night. Well... I'm glad that I didn't have to speak last night because I know a lot more now than I did then, and I was a lot more emotional then. Um, when a goalie's mask is knocked off or comes off, if it's not an immediate, and I mean like pucks going in, getting tapped in, that whistle needs to be blown. Just like a player who loses his helmet has to go to the bench. He's allowed to finish the motion of the play, but he has to go to the bench. The same thing should apply for a goalie. Um, Toronto is not able to replay the stoppage of play because that is on the refs for their discretionary. Um, so they were replaying goal interference, which it's a different argument. And I, I don't really even care about going there. Um, that play needs to be blown dead. Um, there was no immediate scoring chance after that. There was two passes made and a shot from the point. Um, those refs made a mistake. But I feel that the, the rule needs to change so that the war room and the refs have the opportunity to realize that they made a mistake. And they, they put me at danger. Uh, a lot of bad things that could have came from that. Um, plain and simple, when a, when a goalie's mask gets knocked off, it, the play needs to get blown dead. There's Connor Hellebuck from, uh, from Saturday in between the two Jet wins on the weekend. Um, Josh Morrissey, the OT hero on Friday, did speak to it as well after the game and uh, his uh, second OT winner of the week Friday against Dallas. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I hit Ben, and as a result, he goes in the bucky, but I don't see a reality where the goalie can have no helmet on and a goal be allowed five, you know, three seconds after. So um, if that's the rule, that's the rule. But uh, I, I just don't see how that's... Uh, for player safety, I mean, you know, he's lying on the ice with a helmet on in front of the net, like, takes a shot off the face, it's an extremely dangerous situation, so, um, pretty cut and dry to me, like, goalie's helmet comes off, whether or not I push a guy in him, like, and again, it's a few seconds later, so I don't understand um, the call there, but uh, found a way to get two points. All right, Josh Morrissey, the OT hero on the uh, hell of a helmet off play. Uh, that led to Dallas getting the game to uh, to overtime. Now, the Jets follow that up with a big convincing win, 7-2 over the Blackhawks last night. Two goals from Sacramento Linen, Jansen Harkins getting one, and Rick Bonus post-game talked about the depth scoring, chipping in last night to help the Jets to another big road win. Right, so that's, that's nice to see, but we, we need some goals from that the bottom six, and we've been getting them. Uh, again, Lau's line tonight, very, very solid. Um, 
they did a great job for us, scoring that goal to get us going. You know, we wanted to get off to a good start again, get that first one and go from there, and, and they gave it to us. All right, there's Rick Bonus. Um, now, one of the Dominic Toninato came in, and you know, as you'll hear from Rick Bonus, one of the things that you know was very, very clear uh, coming out of the Dallas game was the Jets got absolutely owned in the faceoff circle, and that was impactful as Dallas tried to climb back into the game with the goalie pulled late in the game. Now, um, Sam Gagne has been, you know, a great player for the Jets so far this season, has played from the fourth line all the way up to the top line. Uh, but he wasn't in the mix last night as Morgan Barron returned, and they got Tom Dominic Toninato in to, you know, maybe help win in a few draws. Here was uh, Bones on a very difficult decision to uh, give Sam Gagne the night off. Uh, we lost Gus, so we needed, a, and we've been killed on face-offs, so we wanted to give Tony a try, give him a game, and he did a good job for us tonight, plus Morgan was coming back. Um, so we just wanted to give the power plays a different look because it hasn't been good enough, uh, and it was much better look tonight. So, you know, that's, that's a very, very tough decision because Sam has he's played very well for us. And that's a tough decision to make, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta as a coach, you gotta make the, the best decision what you think for the team was. And tonight, that was the best decision for us. As tough as it was, and it's hard on Sam, and uh, he's been very, very good for us. But it was more Morgan coming back and, and losing Gus. All right, there's uh, Rick Bonus on uh, the decision to scratch Sam Gagne, and um, you know the, the I, you know, again, we've talked a lot about Rick saying all the right things and making many of the right moves. Uh, but speaking about how it was hard for that player and, you know, the personal, you know, level that, you know, it is a difficult decision, but it was the decision they made. They got the win and, um, you know, Sam Gagne is going to be back and, uh, you know, this will delay his quest for his 1,000th game in the league uh, an extra couple days. This could come if he does get back in the lineup and play regularly, I believe scheduled in around the 23rd of December, but we'll stay on top of that heading in. One more from Bones, and um, the Jets are now 20 games into the season. We've had two 10-game segments, and there they are at 13-6-1. They believe the fifth or sixth best points percentage in the National Hockey League so far this season. Here's one more from the Jets head coach on the first 20 games for his hockey club. What we're not seeing is more and more of the habits that we were seeing from last year and the first 10 games so we're seeing a lot less of that and more of the way we want to play which is the, the right way which we saw tonight holding the team, the opposition down to chance against shots against and just playing the right way so those first 10 games it was you could see some just some things that they were playing like last year and we're seeing a lot less of that so we're going to keep getting better all right still lots of work to do but a hell of a start for the jets Right now, second in the division, 27 points with two games in hand on Dallas and just one point back. And of course, they'll have an opportunity to uh, gain those two points tomorrow when the Avalanche come in. Now, the Avalanche and Jets have played the fewest games in the National Hockey League. Um, Detroit and Tampa have played 20. The Jets have played 20. Avalanche missed that scheduled game in Nashville on the weekend. So the Avs have been off for a little bit and just have the 19 games on the season. Huge tilt tomorrow night. Join us tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk to get you ready for that one. Um, let's uh, let's get to the cool bet lines, though. We've got some uh, quite a bit of action tonight in the National Hockey League on a Monday slate. 
and by the way, if you haven't seen Jake Bowen, Moss and myself every day, we've been getting a very nice number on a two gamer in soccer. We were so close to winning today's. I still can't believe that Brazil wasn't able to get a second goal. If you watch that game, they were all over the Swiss. Uh, it just didn't happen. And we've just had the other leg was Portugal. Well, Portugal just came through a late penalty. They beat Uruguay 2-0. Uh, and it does look like uh, both of those teams will be moving on to the second round. But as far as the National Hockey League goes, uh, Buffalo has been sort of a little bit resurgent after that terrible streak that they've had as of late. They are going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sabres plus 127 is a home dog. And... The uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, minus 149. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, after losing on the weekend at home to the Seattle Kraken, have been one of the great stories of the first quarter season as well. Huge, huge favorites in Columbus to take on the Jackets. Minus 298 for Vegas. Columbus, a massive home dog at plus 245. Leafs and Red Wings tonight. Leafs playing very well as of late, despite a real depleted blue line. Minus 155 for Toronto. Detroit plus 131. Devils and Rangers going at it at MSG. Devils a slight road favorite. Look at the Devils season. Wow. Minus 115 for New Jersey. Minus 102 for NYR. And uh, the Dallas Stars going into St. Louis to take on the Blues. Dallas minus 129. And the Blues a home dog at plus 110. And the Florida Panthers, who, as we mentioned earlier on, had some struggles so far this year. Just two games above 500 right now. They're in Edmonton to take on the Oilers, uh, but they're a slight favorite in this game. Minus 113 for Florida, minus 104 for Edmonton, who's had a very middling start to their season so far. And, of course, the Jets and the Avalanche tomorrow. Jets, a home dog, plus 116, and the Avalanche at minus 137. Uh, let's quickly look ahead to the World Cup for tomorrow. What do we have on the slate for the World Cup matches? Okay, now we're in the third game of the group. So I know we've been loving having the, and I guess, Winnipeg time, the 4 a.m. game, the 7 a.m. game, the 10 a.m. game, and the 1 p.m. game. That's not happening anymore. The final games for each group happen simultaneously at two different stadiums. So tomorrow... First off, we've got Ecuador and Senegal. That is a 6 o'clock game here. So those will be 9 a.m. games back in Winnipeg. Ecuador plus 150, the draw plus 210, and Senegal plus 225. The host Qataris are a huge underdog to the Dutch. Qatar 15 to 1, a draw plus 550, and Netherlands minus 435. And, uh, the game I'll be taking in, I believe we're going to take in Iran-USA. Should be quite interesting. Lots of political overtones of that one. Iran plus 300 or 3 to 1. A draw plus 240 in the United States plus 106. And then Wales and England in the final game of that group stage. Plus 715 for Wales. A draw plus 350. And England minus 217. Uh, we do look, just looking ahead to Thursday, Canada and Morocco. Canada, big underdog in that one as well, plus 280. A draw, plus 250. And Morocco, plus 108. Make sure you're paying attention before the games go each and every day. 
to the Doha double. That's in the cool bet exclusives. We've been getting some real nice numbers, real close call today. Had a couple nice wins so far in the last four days. We'll look to get back in the win column tomorrow. So if you want to ride, join us in the exclusives. And if you want to haven't played a cool bet before, you can use the promo code WST on your first deposit, 100% bonus up to 200 bucks when you play at CoolBet. Uh, Remo, great to get back in. And I know you're going to be holding it down tomorrow, getting ready for what will be a huge game against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, cannot wait for that one. Does start at four in the morning here. Sometimes a little challenge to watch live, but uh, I will certainly do my best after taking in uh, probably a less stressful game for me personally without the emotion of it being our team Canada, but we get one more Canada game and that's going to be Thursday where I'll be at and then uh, back at it normally in the peg next week. Yeah. Um, get out as many games as you can, Hust. I encourage you to take take a day and enjoy. It'll be nice to see a game without the stress, as you mentioned, of a Canada match. And I am looking forward to the Jets game tomorrow night against Colorado. Big, big litmus test, big measuring stick. And to be honest, the Jets, I think, have passed a lot of them this year. And um, they've talked a lot about what, you know, how they're going to approach things and what they're going to do. And I feel like they've backed it all up. And I was very not sold on the Jets heading into the season, but I'm leaning towards, I think the Jets are actually good, Huss. They're winning all the games they're supposed to win. They're playing against um, tough teams like the Dallas game on the road. And then, you know, they come and, you know, after Minnesota, when they said, no, we're going to learn from this and we're going to be better, they went and actually did it. And they went into Chicago on the road and weren't like, oh, this is the end of a road trip where we're playing all the games and so many nights. They went and beat the crap out of Chicago, who they're supposed to beat. And in previous years, they weren't winning those games uh, they were supposed to win. My previous year, mostly last year. They were, you know, you, they, they'd be at home against Arizona and, and lay an egg. So, I mean, this is a great season. I'm blown away by uh, Josh Morrissey, who's second star of the week. He's got seven points in four games last week, leading the team. Um, this is awesome, and I'm expecting a great match tomorrow. Colorado, not the same team that they were last year. They're missing a lot of guys. Um, they just signed Alex Galchenyuk, who's been with their AHL team, uh, to a contract. I know they've you know battled uh, injuries. Landis Cog's been out, turnover as well. Burakovsky's doing pretty well with Seattle, but I think still think this will be a great match. Uh, great game tomorrow. Jets Avs Tuesday night. So I would, I would uh, go out to see them. They still, still a great team hustle, although their depth on forward, not, not what it used to be. Well, you know what? Listen, uh, obviously I'm having a, a hell of a lot of fun. I can't wait to go to the games tomorrow here, but um, man, I'll be uh, here in the middle of the night trying to watch this game and hopefully not anger tweeting like I was in the middle of the night after the Dallas game and that controversial end to the game. Um, but make sure to join Remo tomorrow. We'll get a few of the guys in for a little bit of extra time to get you ready for Jets avalanche and much more coming out of today and tonight in the National Hockey League, World Cup, and so much more. Um, I'll be back with you all Wednesday to break down that Colorado game, look ahead to Canada's final match of the World Cup, and then... Uh, you can do it. By the way, I didn't mention at the cool bet lines. We do have a Monday nighter tonight. We didn't really talk NFL. I'm sure Rumo can maybe talk a little bit more about that coming out of tomorrow on tomorrow's program. The Steelers are in Indy um, and uh, one and a half point underdogs. The Colts laying minus one and a half at home. That number's come down quite a bit. When Dusty and I did the lock shop earlier, just a couple hours ago, it was 
Pittsburgh plus two and a half at even money and minus three or plus three was minus 116. So obviously a little bit of steam coming in on the Steelers. Check out today's lock shop. Make sure you, by the way, get to the lock shop YouTube channel, subscribe there, go to our at lock shop bets and retweet that. When we get to a thousand followers, a thousand subscribers on, uh, on the YouTube channel, giving away a thousand dollars. All you got to do subscribe, retweet that tweet to be in the mix for that. Uh, we're both on the Steelers tonight. We've got some more picks, a little more world cup talk as well. So that's available, whether you're on the podcast or on YouTube, go and check that out. Um, great show today. Apologize for a couple of the technical difficulties we've had, but uh, Remo did a great job getting things straightened out. And I think it went pretty smoothly. Thanks so much to Dave Poulin. If you missed that conversation, if you came in later on, make sure to get back to the beginning and check that out in and around 125 into the program. Of course, Jeff Hamilton had a great chat with John Horn on Canada winning the Davis Cup. Um, I'll be back on Wednesday. Remo will hold it down tomorrow with some of the fellas and we get ready for the Jets and Colorado Avalanche. Huge matchup in the Central Division and, of course, more on the World Cup as it continues. We get into the simultaneous games in the third round of the group stage here in Qatar at the World Cup. Thanks again to all the sponsors that make this show happen. We could not do it without them. I know DQ Nixon. Just, uh, man, I laughed uh, checking out the uh, the... DQ here in Qatar was very busy too, by the way. People need their ice cream. Plenty of ice cream joints around. Nothing better than DQ. And everyone else for making this a part of uh, your day. We appreciate you. Hit the thumbs up if you're with us on YouTube before you go, if you haven't already. And uh, if you can, tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk where they can find us each and every day. Even though we've been doing this for about a year and a half, there's still people on a regular basis that, you know, find out and hopefully become regulars with us. Uh, podcast listeners, thank you as well. Uh, that's going to do it for us. From Qatar, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks to Michael Remus back at the Mothership. We will see you tomorrow here on WST at 1 o'clock p.m. Getting ready for the Jets and Avalanche as the Jets open a four-game homestand with first place in the Central Division in Stite. This has been Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great rest of the day and an evening, and we'll see you from Qatar coming up this week. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.